What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, and I know you do, you can go ahead and click subscribe on iTunes, click write a review. Give the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the sustainability 
and the growth of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, you can go ahead and hit like and follow wherever you're listening from. The podcast is on Spotify now. I've also been dropping some monthly playlists on there as well. So that July playlist just dropped yesterday and is now available. So the link's to the Spotify profile to get to those playlists will be in the episode notes along with the links for the Dan Cable Presents mugs and t-shirts. Hope everybody is doing all right out there. I'm recording this on the morning of July 2nd, another Friday in the books, episode 261 coming at you. Black Alex, rapper, out of the Long Island, New York area, is on the podcast this week. Stoked to share my chat with Alex. Had a good time diving in with him about his music and his background and talked a little mental health stuff as well. So uh, we will get into that momentarily. If you want to email the show and put me on to some music or you just want to send your general comments or you need some advice from someone that shouldn't be giving advice you can do that by sending those to dancablepresents at gmail.com love to to know what you're listening to out there or watching i'm stoked to this summer of soul the quest love documentary just dropped today on uh on hulu so i'm pumped to get into that this weekend been diving deep into documentaries all week i had to uh get myself educated about this free britney movement and that whole conservatory that's running her life and whatnot and it was a trip and i think a interesting look in about how we treat celebrities and i know that's obviously a a privilege or you know something that people should feel pretty fortunate about if you uh have reached that elite celebrity status that means that you have probably done something pretty noteworthy and uh just to kind of see Britney's drive from a young child to uh to get to where she was just to have the whole thing ran by other people and just very interesting and also just uh i think a great look in about how we how we treat celebrities and how we can portray them as crazy or how the actions of the media can can lead them down a path of uh unstable mental health can't imagine that's good for anybody to be followed around by cameras all the time and having people show up at your doorstep waiting for you to get home waiting for you to leave just must be a very uncomfortable space and make it really difficult to just live your life and again these are things from the the outside looking in that can be perceived as being some very petty complaints for someone that has reached this elite celebrity status and seems to have you know all the power in the world but i think this is uh this is a facet of becoming celebrity and becoming famous that seems to be bothersome to many and uh, there seems to be this pattern with folks of uh of going down 
paths of mental unstability and I know a lot a lot of folks have spoken up about it over the years I know Dave Chappelle has talked about this openly about the media portraying celebrities as becoming crazy and I just thought that Britney Doc was such a such a great look into that because you know all those years back seeing all the the different stuff she was doing whether it was shaving her head or you know attacking a paparazzi vehicle with an umbrella and you know just to have some context for how these things unfold and what she was trying to do and what her message was is uh it's a trip so if you haven't seen that or you're just uh kind of in the dark on the the free britney movement and i recommend that you check out what they got going on hulu and definitely check out this new summer of soul documentary because it looks so dope and it's quest love who doesn't enjoy quest love if you don't enjoy quest love Turn the podcast off. I don't know what you're doing here. All right, enough ranting about documentaries. Let's get into some business here. I want to remind everybody that on July 28th, I am throwing a Dan Cable Presents birthday party over at Produce Row here in Portland, Oregon. It is my 36th birthday that day, and there is a party going down at Produce Row going to have multiple DJ sets, including one by myself, an appearance by Ernie Moose Johnson. My cousin Bobby from the I Dig Records series will be down there spinning vinyl. And uh, my buddy Quaz, DJ Sonday Blue, who's been on this podcast a couple times before. It's been a few years since he's been on the show, but I love Quas. He's been a great dude and an inspiration to me since uh, meeting him here up in Portland, Oregon. So that is July 28th. And then July 25th, the Sunday before that, my cousin will be also spinning some vinyl down there at Produce Row on that day. So don't forget music at Produce Row every Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Every Sunday, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. That's free music going on July 7th, this upcoming Wednesday, Inky Shadows, the jazz duo that Chris Frank, buddy of mine, is part of. They will be down there. And then July 11th, got some singer-songwriters, Blair Borax and New Victorian are there, followed up by July 14th, couple hip-hop DJs, Sherbert and I don't know will be there so tons of great music that link will be in the episode notes so you can follow the produce row calendar as well as their Instagram and now episode 261 big thanks to Alex for taking the time to to do this thing with me I was grabbed by his music after stumbling upon it on the on the internets and reached out to this dude and he seemed stoked to chat with me i know he had intended to release a record today on july 2nd called flowers but earlier this week he announced there was some issue with the producer so we talked about that that project briefly in this chat so that album did not come out today but he did put out a different record today because he promised everybody that something was coming out July 2nd. And it uh, seems that he is a man of his word. And he ended up putting out this EP called Roses, 
formerly known as Flowers. So that is available now on all the streaming services. So check out Roses and the rest of this dude's catalog. He's got a bunch of music up there. All those links for Black Alex will be in the episode notes. Give this dude a follow if you enjoy what you hear in this conversation or you enjoy the music being played. Always important to to give people those follows, especially on things like Spotify and Apple Music. Most music these days is free to listen to, so a great way to to help with the the growth and visibility, especially of the upcoming artists, is giving those giving them those likes and follows so that they can boost up their monthly listeners and hopefully land themselves on some larger playlists. So support Black Alex if you dig what you hear and we're going to go ahead and get in to this week's episode episode 261 coming at you we are going to kick it off with the first track that i ever heard from black alex the one that pulled me in i'm going to introduce you the same way this is year of the rat let's do the damn thing don't you get it it's over for you Cause it sharpens the wit Too many ad-libs on the intro Man, I hate that shit I find a week up in this motherfucker Man, this is it I'll sink my teeth up in this motherfucker Let's get it lit DiCaprio is in the building Just a warning 2021 I'ma be all up in my feelings Catch me in the gym Feeling my strength hitting the ceiling And I'm feeling myself But you might find that unappealing <laughs> Shout out to George Tiana And all the other souls departed That we had to shed a tear Shipping back to heaven My nigga Kevin The day I got the news that you died Nobody knows but I was thinking on my own suicide and what a lesson what a blessing i'm blessed to know you're blessed to flow with you blessed to feed up on your wisdom blessed to grow with you i'm in the land of the living trying to glow for you put on a show for you so like five features and four motherfucking albums later i'm basking in the love but i hear the silence of the haters they're motivated by my dedication to rhyme and i keep winning them over one silhouette at a time i played every major stage on the island because i'm legendary on the beats and you should know that cuz i got some niggas showing love and some are threatened by the buzz Cause potential can scare you more than reality does I'm saying Life's a bitch and then you die That's why we get high Cause you never know when you're gonna go Life's a bitch and then you die That's why we get high Cause you never know when you're gonna go Life's a bitch and then you die That's why we get high Cause you never know when you're gonna go Life's a bitch and then you die That's why we get high Cause you never know when you're gonna go They keep taking shit from artists And I don't claim to be the hardest But I'm trying to be an example of perseverance regardless I see the homies pulling their vest out They ready for war and coming through with their chest out I'm highly floored but I've been disciplined from the start This ain't for glory my nigga, this is love for the art And after years of living hell, I done came up out my shell But I'm that little purple spiky joint from Mario Kart A heat seeker, real nigga I see you judging from the bleachers, ill nigga This is for the sleepers and the ill niggas That goes for the ladies too, no one of my point of view gets a pass So if you living with talent 
island, get off your fabulous ass. Just keep fishing like you're driven by your superstition. Just keep swimming like you're Darcy on a lost mission. It's just vision and stellar precision. Then again, naturally, this is only my opinion. But you can listen to my music if you're down and I can turn it for you. I'm dropping Schmetterlings, baby. That's some German for you. It's up to you to live or die. Take action or question why. See, I can give you the tools to fly, but I can't earn it for you. And you could do it for the fame or because it's vital for health. I know it takes like a decade in the game to get over yourself. But if you need a little guidance, you can call me daily. I went from negative to positive, George Bailey. They say life is what you make it and just look what I created. Couldn't take it if you debated every day, nigga. But you can catch me up in the corner eating way, nigga. Not like I need it. I get brolic either way, nigga. But yo, ladies, do me a favor. Grab your belly and hips. And if they jiggle, sit your pussy on these soft black lips. Now let me stop talking shit before I say too much. As 2021 progresses, look for me in the clutch. I'm saying life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we get high. Cool, man. Well, I'm, I'm stoked to, to chat with you and, and get to know where your music comes from. I was cruising Instagram one day, and um, I think Year of the Rat popped into my, my Instagram feed, and uh, I had to just instantly add that track to my library and was just very uh, very taken with your, your delivery and uh, your lyrics to to what you were doing just just seemed like you had bars for days and uh kind of kind of followed up with what you were doing since then and uh yeah just been digging the music quite a bit man we'll get into uh your most recent release the the trust me it's fire which uh seems to be this this next level of the the catalog that you have tapped into but uh Talk to me about where you come from, man, and how you got hooked into music. Um, I mean, I grew up around music, you know. I went to church every Sunday. Um, and, you know, at, at church, the drummer is always like the star, usually. So I was always attracted to the drums. and then, um, But I couldn't find anyone who wanted to teach me at the church. So, which was fine, because I wasn't even really like into gospel music like that. But I just wanted to learn how to play. So, um, I would, I would say like right after I got out of high school, I taught myself to play after I got two lessons from this guy and he kind of taught me some basics. And, um, I didn't like the fact that he was charging me to just learn how to play songs. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, I'm gonna just go learn how to play the songs I want to play. Um, and so I taught myself drums. Then I started to get into bands when I was like 20, um, went into audio engineering school when I was 21 and put my first real band together there. That was in like 2008, something like that. And from there, yeah, I just played different rock bands, hip hop bands, toured with some, I toured with a rapper once, that's when I was in Oregon. Um, That was a couple years ago. And just got to a point where I wanted to, I don't know, express more of my creativity, you know? Like, Like, I love the drums, but it's just, I never had that discipline to like become like, Dennis Chambers or like one of the great masters. So my creativity always felt a little stifled. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a really long story, but I got to the point where I eventually like started writing raps and started putting music out around like 2019. And that's about two and a half years ago. And I've dropped quite a bit of music since then. So, yeah. So when you were, you know, growing up in the church, was there, uh, 
any interest from you at that point even just singing in church and and uh exploring your voice at all or did were you always just kind of gravitating towards instruments in the beginning i mean it was it was always instruments in the beginning but i will say that and and um and i did sing in a choir and stuff you know what i mean so i had like i had that ear i was trained that way but nah i never really thought about being a vocalist but um when I was a freshman in high school, I tried to rap, right? I was listening to uh, Supreme Clientele by Ghostface Killer a lot. And so I would try to write these raps that were like these abstract kind of raps. But, um, you know, they they were really whack. So, like, I just let it go. Yeah. And then I kind of went back to the instruments, you know, kind of just ended up gravitating toward the drums again. Because, you know, the first time I sat on a kit, I was playing a beat. So I was like, well, I'm going to just keep following this, you know. Yeah, it's uh, I felt like when when listening to the music and listening to your delivery, it feels like your rhythm is always so locked into the pocket. So it makes a lot of sense to me now finding out that that's that's your roots. And I would assume that that had to really help or at least inform your your delivery. We got the team strong, rocking with the theme song, popping in the chorus. Nigga, get out the way. Shout out to my winners from troubleshooting dilemmas. No matter how weather hit us, yo, we gotta get paid. Homie, look at the waves. Look at how the discipline got a nigga glistening. Gotta keep it brave. Shout out to my dreamers and all of my non believers. How you play the game? Motivates a nigga either way. And I'm working like a psycho. Psycho. Compliments are flicking like a. Absolutely. I think playing drums, like, the biggest advantage I think it gives me is, like, um, experimenting with different cadences, you know, because, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like you hear the music, you hear the beat, and it's like, oh, I could just rap on the downbeat, but what if I flipped it? You know, I would do the same thing in a band, you know? It's like, uh, how am I going to play against these guitars to make it interesting? You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, it definitely gives me an advantage on that level. Yeah, for sure. And you definitely seem to explore those different deliveries through a single song even mm-hmm. and, and find different ways to to keep it interesting where you're not, you know, spitting the same cadence in each section right. of that song, which right. I, I also uh, kind of gravitated towards as well. Like you can do the real the real quick delivery and then you can, you know you can mess with it and manipulate it and not always attack things in that way. Right. Yeah. It makes it fun for me to create music too, you know, cause like listening back to it, it's like, you know, if I, if I change up my cadence on the second verse, I know I wrote it, but I'm looking forward to hearing that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. As it, as it approaches. And, uh, you know, today's era, social media, everything's so quick. So you kind of have to, do that for people you know what i'm saying and it's like you know it's it's kind of like considerate too it's like well i don't want you to just listen to me do the same thing for three minutes <laughs> you know what i mean so let me switch it up a little bit yeah for sure man i mean that that's uh i mean another thing i kind of put in my notes while geeking out on the music heavy today and in prior times listening to the music is that there's uh I have a lot of anticipation while I'm listening to like, what's the next bar going to be or where are you going to take it? Cause, cause you don't always stay 
in the same gear the whole time, even if it's like a similar section. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It it just keeps it fun. Because again, you know, I felt limited on the drums. And when you're playing a song, obviously there's like you have your A section, your B section, stuff like that. But for the most part, you're just serving the music. Um, And I guess as a vocalist, trying different cadences is just another way to extend my creativity and make it more interesting and fun for me. Yeah. Do you also think going about it that way and starting as a drummer and then becoming a vocalist, it really helps you as a vocalist understand where you shouldn't be stepping on the beat and things like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I did a lot of um, improvising with my last band, and that was a big thing. It's all about listening to each other, you know? So if I hear that my vocalist is about to step up and do a rap, I had a rapper in my last band, you know, it's, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to like even do a fill. Like I want to fall back as much as possible and let his thing breathe. A guitar solo, same thing. A horn solo, same thing. So obviously when I'm listening to my own music, my own music and I'm making stuff like that, I'm kind of thinking like that, you know, like what if this were a jam? You know what I mean? Like maybe I should leave some space here, do a little more spaced out cadence. That way the listener gets to breathe a little bit. Yeah. You know? But it all depends on how I'm feeling too, because sometimes I might just say fuck that and be like, "Well, I just want to attack this shit the whole time." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't get a chance to breathe on this one. Yeah. Know? Did you find yourself when you were playing a lot of drums in bands that you always kind of had a desire to be more in the forefront of either, you know the show or even a part of the process or was like everything that you were doing pretty collaborative when you were the drummer in bands? Well, yeah, I mean, when you're a drummer, everything has to be collaborative. You know what I mean? Um, and like I said, my chops weren't really at the level to where like I could sit there and do a 20 minute drum solo kind of thing. Like I couldn't make a career out of just going out and playing drums. Like I had to join a band, but it's funny you say that because right before I started my first band, I was flirting with the idea of singing because I always had like a little bit of a voice from church. And um, I was talking to a friend and I know he means well, and I haven't seen this friend in a couple of years. Right. But I was in, I had started this band called Echo Sonic and I had a friend, really good looking dude. Right. He was the front man. And um, I introduced him to my other friend and my friend said, you know what? He seems more like he belongs in the front. You know, you definitely seem more like a background guy. Right. And he he was probably talking more about like my personality, you know what I'm saying? But I took that to heart and I really like it kind of limited me in the way I saw myself as a performer. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I definitely played the background role more, played drums, a supportive role. But I always had a desire to kind of step out front. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. I have a pretty sizable ego. You know, I'm not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just like, you know, if I have a desire, I like to try to fulfill it. You know what I'm saying? So um, over the years, yeah, I felt like, you know, I'd be on stage. I'd be like, if there was like an awkward silence, I'd be like, oh, I know exactly what I would say here. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like stuff like that. So going solo has actually been like the creative side is more fulfilled, but also my creativity and how I perform and how I speak and how I market myself and all that other stuff. You know, I'm free. It's free range on everything. Right. You don't have to serve necessarily uh the group or a song that you're playing you kind of just get to go free reign with whatever whatever you're feeling right. i would imagine even 
within the live show, there's a different sort of freedom when it's kind of just you. Oh, yeah. Dude, I don't even make set lists, you know? Like, I have an idea of what song I want to start with. And uh, if I get the opportunity, I'll usually just take my iPhone, hook it up to the PA or whatever, and I'll just run my shows that way. And, uh, you know, I like to talk to the audience in between. Just kind of make it really chill because, uh, you know, I, I just... The stage, it makes me nervous. It makes me excited, but it doesn't make me nervous. So I feel very, very comfortable up there. Um, and I like to host a show, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and, I, and I base it off the vibe of the crowd, you know what I mean? Like, if, they're, if their energy's up, then I got energetic tunes. If they seem more like they're down for some intimate thing, then I can do a little more laid back, personal kind of song, you know? Yeah. It all depends. So were you quietly just making some some demos on your own, f- fucking around with it, or like how I did started to. yeah, like what what kind of uh, inspires that that transition where you're like, you know what, I am I am gonna do it. I'm I'm gonna put some of my own solo music out, and I'm I'm going to be the rapper on these tracks and right. All right, well, yeah, I did. Um, so I went to audio engineering school and I learned how to make beats there. Right. So as I was in different bands throughout the years, I would always be making beats, just like weird shit. Like I was really inspired by um, Damon Alburn from the Gorillas, and like just the way he would like mix different genres and really glue it together. So I tried to do that. Actually, a few of those beats, a few of those beats actually ended up making it onto actual records that are out right now. Um, but yeah, I was always doing that. But I think the thing. In my last band is when I started to actually write raps to those beats. Okay. And the thing that actually made me make the switch is I ended up going to rehab for um, alcoholism uh, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And it was in rehab that I was like, you know what? You know, because I, you know, I had to think about why I was drinking so much. Mm-hmm. And there were many reasons. But as far as my creative life goes, I was like, man, you really are like not satisfied in all these different areas. You know what I mean? And when you get out of here, bro, like you got to just, you got to follow your gut. You know, it's like my, my instincts and my, and my hunches are very important to me. You know what I mean? Like if I don't really get to follow them, mm-hmm. I get upset. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes when you're in a band, you don't get to follow your own ideas. You kind of majority rules. Yeah, yeah. So I made the commitment to myself to just be like, you know what? I'm going to do what it is that I want to do so that I'm not feeling frustrated and turning to alcohol for that reason. You know what I'm saying? So in that rehab is when I wrote pretty much everything that ended up on my first album. Uh, it's called The Utopian Hypnosis. I released that last June. So, yeah, that, that was that's, that's when I decided to do it, you know. Yeah, and is that when you when you were in rehab and, start, and dealing with all that? Where is that kind of the first times you're really putting pen to pad with your, your thoughts and, and emotions kind of expressing yourself in that way? Oh yeah. I wrote every day, all day. I went, I remember, uh, it became a kind of a running joke that what I would need, I would need another pen. Like I would always go to, <laughs> you know, uh, my counselor's like, oh, I need another <laughs> pen. Like, oh, you're going through pens like crazy, you know? Cause they would give you these little tiny, little tiny pens that were, um, kind of flimsy cause they had a psych unit next door. Yeah. So like they're not allowed to have like the hard pens. And I spent some time in there too. It's a long story, bro. It's, <laughs> it's a lot that went down. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I started, I mean, I had some raps. Like I said, I was writing a couple tracks while I was in my other band. 
but no that's when i really started to like try to find my voice as an artist you know and a lot of those raps were i call them recovery raps just because they were from a very spiritual place very you know i mean there's a lot of like you know i was i was uh they were a lot of observant raps but definitely more like what you would consider conscious music yeah and that's that's that helped me to kind of like find a lane and give me the confidence to be like you know what fuck it i could do this yeah man there i mean there's uh another reason i'm attracted to what you do is the the really introspective shit you know i think that's uh pretty representative even on on the newest record with the mm-hmm. like 2021 magnolia yeah you know talking about some of the mental health shit and yeah. uh yeah just just how revealing you are through the music and and exploring your your emotions that way is uh yeah. i think of a, a super powerful thing especially as a listener but i got to imagine you know for you as the writer too to be putting mm-hmm. these things down on paper is uh probably really uh helpful tool just to to see some shit on paper and it's like oh this is coming out of out of my head yeah. you know well it's funny man on, on that song in particular like you know i was always writing everything down but i start but lately i've been experimenting with just like sitting at the mic and i'll turn i'll open my interface and my whole workstation throw a beat on and i'll just not freestyle but you know i'm not writing anything and that was the first song where i actually did that and it was like 3 a.m and i was in this little room here like just uh you know the feelings all (laughs) coming up and um yeah a lot of people connect with that song and i'm like i'm happy about that because that that song came from like a really just you know i don't want to call it a raw place but it came from a regular place like i didn't really have a um a preconceived notion as to what I was going to put down that night. Mm. And the words just were flowing and they were just coming to me. And um, that song, there's a feeling on that song that um, I want to try to recapture all the time. (laughs) Uh, Like, yeah, I was very vulnerable and very, like, honest and regular. And again, no preconceived notion about it. 2021 Magnolia Longevity on my mind, nigga I went from bench warmer to being an owner Mentally I'm Sedona Used to be in a fucking rush to be in a lush Now I'm sober and bipolar Give me my begonias Fought for my freedom cause I didn't need them Trying to patronize me for exposure That's game talk, if you know what you know it This a whistle for the fucking soldiers I'm seeing new levels of love, adoration, motivation and glory And less familiar names in my likes, it paints the whole story As an option I can pack it up like I'm as be corny But instead I shut the fuck up and do what's mandatory So I pick up something heavy just to mold the aesthetic I'm working hard enough that niggas think I'm on anesthetic I be fighting through the pain like yeah okay man I get it But I'd rather be seen as insane, I'm done with pathetic Real nigga shit Question, when it get hard, do real niggas quit? I wait. Clearly I need a bigger plate. So many ways to sedate my inner hate. Like for example, when the family's straight. Overabundant like 90s Kuwait. A hundred days of cutting weight, but my energy like a freight. So I debate what's great. Shit. Self-sacrificial too official. It was toxic, but I must admit I miss you. Shit. Working on this missile, yes, I'm vigilant, it's obnoxious, but I can't forget I've been through shit. 
Call me Mrs. Frizzle with the swivel. I got Did you kind of get a little addicted to that? That even that self-examination of of diving in that way. That's an interesting question. Or, I mean, I, I would say that I'm very heavily interested in self-development. I've always been, you yeah. know, and um, I'm getting better at it through the years. And as it as it as it produces more results for me, I become more, I guess, addicted to exploring that. But I guess when it comes to being vulnerable and putting that stuff on record, yeah, there's definitely a big therapeutic aspect to it. And I've been in therapy before, and I wasn't the biggest fan of it, um, and which surprised me because I love to talk about this type of stuff. Yeah. But I, I guess I didn't anticipate being challenged so much. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I understand you that. Know? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I make a record, it's like, it's I can just project, and um, then people, if they connect with it, they can just tell me they connect with it or not, and I, that's a that's a helpful process. Yeah, there's not the the therapist to kind of to steer it in any sort of direction. It's just right the stream of consciousness this is this is yeah. what's happening inside <laughs> there's yeah. not to, and not to say that that can't be helpful but i get i just got exhausted from that work you know it's like yeah i literally just want to vent to you right now and you're like trying to <laughs> yeah trying to make this class yeah no that's I've, what they do you know? I, i've i've definitely uh had some experience doing some therapy so i totally understand mm-hmm. what you're saying it's not always just about venting your thoughts when you're in those those types of situations because there is that other person kind of challenging what you're saying and where is this coming from and why right. are why are you perceiving it to be this way and this and that right. so right yeah absolutely but on that issue though I think I think I think like and this was a couple of years ago I had one but I think I'm more ready for it now and I think it's just about finding the right person you know I think I matured a lot and uh, you know. Like I said, I have a pretty sizable ego, so like I have to, <laughs> I, have to get, I have to work to get that under control. <laughs> well, it's hard too because you gotta, you have to be one hundred percent ready to not bullshit with yourself too. If you're gonna walk into those therapy sessions, or it's not very beneficial at all either. Right, right. Like if you don't right. really speak all of the truths, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not telling them this. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I was just looking for more like a, like you agree with me, right? Like I would tell them the situation. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like you see where I'm coming from, right? Like that's that aren't ego. I correct? <laughs> it's that ego. The ego at work. <laughs> yep, yep. It's crazy. So all this type of stuff, though, bro. This is like, like the fact that I get to make records about this stuff and like I guess quote unquote build a brand around this type of stuff. It's really, it's really awesome, and it never feels like uh, like work. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes playing the drums, it felt like work. You know, I'm sitting there. If we're writing a song for two hours, just, my back is killing me. It's yeah. Like, All right, fellas, you know, <laughs> we're playing the same beat, you know. Are you still uh, producing all of your own beats for the, the music that you're putting out now? Or, or do you outsource that stuff and work with different producers? I, um, yeah, I, I outsource now. Like, I definitely, um, like, I, I produced two of the joints on the on the last one. I did Evolved and Noodles. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know what? I, I produced everything on my first album. I have a third album called The Sim Songs. I produced everything on that. But it just got to a point where I'm like, yo, this is a lot. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure to put on myself to just 
produce every song. And there's a lot of fire producers out there, you know what I mean? And um, especially now, like my Instagram, a lot of people are sending me beats and stuff. So it just creates an opportunity for me to focus on writing lyrics more. You know what I mean? And that, like, that frees up so much creativity. You know what I mean? Because, you, you know, your creative muscle can get exhausted, you know, just from, like... And I'm not, you know, I'm not a classically trained musician, so, like, I'll be trying to sit there and play some keys, try to figure out the coolest thing. And then maybe I want to send it out to someone else to see if, like, it's cool or they want to add to it. Then I got to wait for that, and then they send it back to me, and then it's, it's like a whole thing. Yeah. So I still I still produce all the time. I'm always making beats, but like as far as every rec every song on a record, I don't know. It'll be a while before I ever try to do that again. You know? And I think when you collaborate more, then this is one thing I learned from being in a band. When you collaborate with other people, if it's the right people, it really can take things to the next level. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Hopefully you For got sure. somebody else that's uh showing you some some pieces of the puzzle that you can't see for yourself or right. helping helping you get out of your your own way of of something yeah yeah and a big thing for me is like um efficiency so you know i have to work with people that are like down to do it yesterday <laughs> you know what i mean um so as long as all that stuff's there and and yeah like you said man they can definitely highlight whatever i'm not seeing because you know you get so immersed in a song you just be like this is great and they're like oh you know you kind of sound kind of weird on that hook maybe you should rethink that yeah i'm like hmm okay <laughs> it's like when you uh record that late night voice memo on your phone that you think is uh super dope and then you listen back to it the next day and right. uh have some reality hit you in the face <laughs> right 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 or or or, or a mix you know because i do i do i do all the mixes myself okay so that's that's an area you definitely need a third party to be like this is cool or this is kind of wacky you know what i'm saying so i got some friends i got a friend hugo i'll send him mixes uh my friend Matt, um, also my, you know, I, I tested out in different people's cars. Like you gotta have that. Cause you know, you think a mix is dope in your headphones and then you send it out and it's like, yo, these vocals are blasting <laughs> over the beat. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How are you with, uh, as far as doing the mixing, how are you with being able to say something's done and not just continue to, tinker with something over and over and over i mean it's not always easy but for the most part okay if i if i get a mix to a point where everything's audible nice balance where i can hear it i send it out to some people they re they reaffirm that i do let it go because i know that i could make it more perfect but the way i think of it is like all right if i work another five hours on this mix Am I gonna, what am I going to get, like 10,000 more streams? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what am I going to make that much more money or something like that? Like, probably not. It's probably just for my own sake. So if I ever want to remix something now, like if I'm really that serious about it, I could do that anytime. I could take a, a song that's been out for a year and be like, I want to touch this mix up. And then just for my own artistic pleasure, get it to this like perfect point, you know? But a lot of things for me come down to like, like I'm an 80-20 thinker. I don't know if you know like the Pareto principle. Uh, I'm not familiar. So like loosely it states that um, about 80% of every situation results from 20% of that situation, right? So there's 20% that's most important. That'll give you 80% of your results. So 
Uh, that that's the way I was able to teach myself drums, for example. Like I would always think about, all right, what are the meat and potatoes of being a drummer, like a working drummer that gets paid. Once I figured that out, I was like, all right, I'm pretty good. Everything else, the fills and the, the quick hands and the, the, the showmanship, that's all the the sprinkle on top. But as long as I'm getting that meat and potatoes mm. in, people will want to play with me. You know, uh, microphones are the same way. You know, like I had a mic the, uh, up until recently. I just got this mic. This is the uh, SMB by um, Sure, I think. Yep, yep. Yeah. The iconic Sure SM7B. SM7, yeah, yeah. So, like, I just got this thing, but, like, I used the um, Audio-Technica mic that cost me $100, you know what I mean, for those first four albums yeah, yeah. or five albums, whatever. And I was like, well, this is getting the job done, whatever. You know, I could have I painfully uh, stressed about the quality of my mic before putting music out. I could have been like, nah, dude, I got to get a Neumann. Got to get a Neumann because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one. But it's like, yo, at the end of the day, what's what's the 20% that matters most? It's like this thing is quality enough to where my voice is clear. It's a clean recording. Boom. Let's move on to the next thing. So when it comes to my mixes, I'm the same. I, I try to think that way. You know, as long as it, it's thumping and I can hear everything nice and clearly and I like the balance, it's done. Anything else after that is literally just like waxing the car, so to speak. Right. And if you can get it dialed in on a shitty mic, then when you right. do get that that better mic it's it's uh that's that's the next level upgrade but also oh, yeah. like that that super shiny mic isn't going to help the person that has no fundamental skill or you know exactly. isn't any good anyway so right 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 and that's and that's you know when it comes to engineering there's a 20 percent that matters too you know, like like you said, being able to get a good sound out of something is the most important thing. What you're recording on, not as important. Right. You know. The performance is what you need. You need that good performance. And I know that sounds counterintuitive to someone who might just be getting started or whatever. But trust me, man. And, and, and all the OGs, they used to tell me the same shit. Like, bro, if you can get this to sound good, that's the focus on that. Don't go spend $1,000 on something that you are an amateur at anyway, like, you know? Right. I mean, also just like the available software and technology that is available now just seems like, you know, anybody that's a top notch engineer or even has a pretty good understanding mm -hmm. of, of engineering can work with the, the shittiest of stems as long as they're in time and, and their performance is there. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's like there's a lot of um, a lot of help now. I like you know you got drum triggers and uh, instrument replacements and things like that. You can right. even I think Pro Tools even lets you uh, rework things as far as timing goes without like warping the audio. So yeah, there's a lot of tricks, but at the end of the day, man, as long as you know what you're doing, that's what matters most. Yeah. So when you're collaborating with a producer. And uh, rapping over like one of their tracks is uh, is it usually a situation where they're just sending you the track, or are you actually sitting in in the room with them sometime? Obviously, I know the last year's been a little wonky with with the COVID shit and and all that mm -hmm. stuff. So, is there uh, is there much in person collaboration with those types of things, or are you just getting a beat? And you only have that stretch of time, whatever they sent you, to to fit in what you want to do on it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for the most part, that's how it works. You know, I generally like someone will send me something and I'm I'm in the crib just like recording. But um, I love to I love to be in the studio whenever I can. You know, like you know, COVID made that a little difficult. But um, hopefully, I'll have a lot more in person sessions because you do get a different energy out of that too. And I think I need to learn how to write on the spot more. You know, when I first started rapping, I was in this band, this like duo, and um, I would be writing on the spot on the spot a lot, and I really liked that because it's like, you know, what you got, what you got, what you got, you know. Um, so yeah, but I have no problem at the same time just sitting in my own room and vibing out. You know, as long as we communicate about what the song is about and what they're looking for, I feel pretty confident that I could pull it off. You know. Yeah, and and is it? Does it help you figure things out when someone's sending you a, a track that's already a certain length? Do you think that forces like a different creativity out of you if you don't necessarily have, you know, maybe every section that you thought you were going to have or mm-hmm. get to on the on the track? Yeah. Well, sometimes people are writing uh, uh, the subject matter is something that's new to me. So like maybe I've never written about it. So that's it's cool to like challenge myself in that way. But I generally, you know, if I collaborate with people, I like for them to give me a direction because if you don't give me a direction, I'm just going to, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. You know, what I'm Especially if the beat is hot, I'll talk about whatever. I might give you 60 bars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, bro, let me know what you need. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but what about like on your, on your own records, you know, as far as uh, people sending you stuff, are you, are there's are there the interactions where you're talking to the producer and saying, "Hey, I could use uh like one more verse or one more chorus on this," or are you just mm. always going in on what they present to you? It depends. Depends on how, on how the song's going, you know. Cause any editing like that, I can always do on my own, and um, then I'll send it back to them. Maybe and be like, "Yo, I extended this verse or I extended this chorus. Like, are you comfortable with that type of thing?" Because some producers want their beat represented the way it is. Right. Because they composed it, you know, intentionally. So you got to respect that. But um, as far, yeah, I mean, if it's one of my songs, again, if they're comfortable with me chopping it up and doing whatever, yeah, I whatever, I, I do pretty much whatever I want, you know. And and like I said, I haven't even been, like, premeditating things lately. I've just been sitting at the mic. Like, I'm dropping an album on the 30th. Um, and this is, like, a little experiment that I'm doing. Um I don't know if you know Donuts by Jay Dilla. Absolutely. Okay, so like I'm about to hit y'all with my version of Donuts. Okay. Like it's just like quick songs in and out, 17 tracks. And like I'm challenging myself to see if I can get a full song idea across in under 90 seconds, you know. Um, But I got these beats. There's there's this musician named Connor Albert who's just amazing. And like I I wrote some freestyles to some of his um, stuff on Instagram. And then like I dropped one freestyle. And then like a week later, he hit 100K followers and he dropped 100 beats on SoundCloud for free. It's like, yeah, th- as a thank you, like, cool. So I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and, they, and they're just sketches. Um, and, you know, I think the longest one's like a minute 50 of the ones that I chose. He dropped 100, I chose 17. So in that sense, I'm leaving them exactly as they are and just letting it flow. And, uh, you know, I'll just sit at the mic. I'll come up with that first line. And then it'll usually uh, inform me as to what the song is going to be about. You know what I mean? And then I just go from there. And then I'll go to the next one and do it, you know, the same thing. 
Um, but yeah, that's like, it, it's exciting, bro. It's just, it's like whenever you change your process, yeah. experiment with it, it's always dope. It's like, oh, I can make more music this way. Like I could do it this way. Right. Know? Cause it informs like the, the full picture, you know, or right. maybe you're not going to do the same thing on the next project, but maybe there's a, a track or two like that on the next project. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe you just kind of figure out how to quickly get your, your message across in one verse just yeah, because of exactly. that, that type of exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I'm a big Kanye fan. So like, like if you listen to his music, like over the years, he'll do an album like say when he did 808s and Heartbreaks, right? Very experimental departure. By the time he did My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, you can hear the influence from 808s. Mm -hmm. Then when he did Yeezus, you can hear the influence from all those. Then he did Life of Pablo, you can hear the influence from everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's true. Like, you know, I, once once I, if I, if this works, right? Like if it's if people enjoy it, and that's how I'll base if it works or not. If people enjoy it and they dig it, then it's like, okay, cool. Like Like you said, I can add minute a minute long track to my next project if i want to as an interlude or something like that but also maybe like it's good enough to where it's a song that people might want to play back you know yeah yeah even you you talking about you know the evolution of the the kanye catalog i think uh i feel like just kind of going through the records that you have available right now you know those those few eps and the, the raps collection and yeah the utopia one and and then getting into trust me it's fire the most the most recent release um and you say it on evolved you know yes i'm evolved and i right, think right. that that's a very true sentiment of the of the record and just kind of the the delivery on it it just seems mm -hmm. like uh it's like a next level of of confidence that mm -hmm. is represented on that one do you do you feel like that's that's true of of that particular group of tunes yeah well thank you first of all um but no i do i do you know it's like one of the reasons that i think i like to re release music so fast is because i love to use the energy that i'm getting in real time and um trying to be creative with it right so i think the reason i sound so confident on that album is because like I had a recent breakthrough with building my audience and like all these people like, dude, you got it. You got it. And I'm like, Oh word. Cause you know, when I first started rapping, I wasn't sure. I was like, Oh man, you know, what are people going to think of this? Like, is it going to be all right to do this? Is it going to be all right to say this? I just came up with a conscious album. Like, can I say the word pussy? Like, what are people going to say? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, as people give me that, that encouragement, it kind of yeah i mean i feel more confident to just be more bold and experiment more and stuff like that so yeah that's definitely what you're hearing is definitely me stepping i think in this album i stepped more into like this is what i do now you know what i mean with the Gemma group, Brando with the Clementine. Give me mine, cause I say so. Power groupies are pesos. We chow down in that queso, no matter which way the race go. Oh yeah, still on my bullshit, on my breaking the rule shit, on my coming the rule shit. Nigga, look at the toolkit, good God. How did this nigga get this large? I took it all, my nigga, don't need no applause. I evolved. Mysterious, imperious, and large. Rolling 
Yeah, because some of the a lot of the lyrical content is so vulnerable. Is it uh, is it easy for you to be that transparent when it comes to actually putting the music out or performing the live shows? Maybe even especially in the beginning when you you're fresh out of, out of rehab and you're you're you know you're pouring your your thoughts into this this notebook and then you've you've got all this to share was that a was that a pretty big struggle for you at all in the beginning it was um but there were a lot of you know it wasn't just the content that was i was being vulnerable about it was like stepping from behind the drums and stepping out on my own right and you know trying to identify as a rapper because i'm not a gangster right so like like I love Griselda and all those dudes, but I, I listen to their bars. I'm like, yo, there's so much, like I love everything you just said, but I can't say none of that shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's cool sounding shit, you know. But like, I guess trying to figure out a way to sound good, not be corny, mm-hmm. but still be myself, that made me the most nervous. Um, but it's funny, man. As far as like being vulnerable or whatever, like I don't have a problem with that. Like I'm really, I'm really comfortable, even with strangers. Like I, you know, I'll talk to strangers about all kinds of stuff if the vibe is there. You know, yeah. I'm just very comfortable with that type of stuff. You know, now small talk, different thing. Like, I'm, very, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very like weird with small talk. Like I don't really do well with that. But when it comes to the deep stuff, I have no problem. And as and as more people connect with it, then I realize like, okay, cool. Like there's people that actually appreciate it. So, you know, that encourages me even more. Yeah, I think uh, it's easy for people to recognize authenticity. Mm. And uh, there seems to be just something undeniable about that, you know? And yeah. Especially with a lot of the shit that you're talking about, you know that, that the people showing up for it are... Uh, right. They're connecting to right. to some of that themselves i'm assuming you know or at least for for myself you know when i'm listening yeah. to your music um it's it's resonating on a on a personal level somewhere and that's what where i get the desire to to dig deeper and find more of the music you know right yeah and in that sense i guess it does make it a little easier because like you said it's like yo if you if people are connected with this then they're really connected with this you know because it's not like i'm rapping about cars it's not like i'm rapping about not that I I love those types of raps, but um, yeah, it's like you know if I'm if I if I admit that I'm bipolar in a song and people are like you know I love that song, that's like okay word, like we really just connected on that, bro. Like, right, you know what I'm saying? right. And then you know talking about sobriety and battle with substances, then you know mm-hmm. you, you've got um, a, a huge part of the population that's going to attach and and understand that struggle as well. But then. You know, along with all the heavy shit, you get some of the fun references that yeah. uh, I think, at least for myself, when I think about why I come to hip hop and rap, and and a lot of the times it's what what are this, what are these persons, uh, you know, references, their pop culture references and and things like that. That's that's yeah, one yeah. of my favorite parts of the genre and and like what it represents and. I uh yeah, just love the the call me Miss Frizzle with the swivel. <laughs> I got options, baby, you know, like the the Yeah, yeah. That that's a that's a killer one. And uh and then that any given Sunday nod that you have the Willie Beeman. The oh, yeah, triple yeah, yeah, beaming yeah. Willie Beeman. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> any, any, any given son who will believe it yeah. will one day defeat the demon. Yeah, I love that. You know what? And that type of stuff I put in there to like, who's really listening, you know? Like, who, who's really picking up? And that's the beauty of like metaphors and analogies and all that in rap. Because, you know, Jay-Z, right? Like, probably the master of like coded language. It's like, yo, he'll hit you with a triple entendre. <laughs> make it sound super casual and most people just be like like that bar will go over their head or they right. might get the one meaning you know what i'm saying but like yo i feel like if you're gonna rap bro you gotta pay homage to that to that tradition you know what i mean of like being clever because it's entertaining it's like probably the most entertaining part of rap you know what i mean because if you know if, if i was just like here's my heart all day it would get like one dimensional right but if I can be like, here's my heart, and let me use Miss Frizzle as a way to explain it, you know what I'm saying? Like, just uh, I don't know. That's that's what I like about rap, and like you said, that that, that attracted to me to it too, you know. Yeah, the clever wordplay and and just finding interesting ways to connect the dots with things that you don't right. see coming. Right. Because there's always a way to like communicate an idea in the abstract, right? And I'm trying to get better at that. Like, I'm trying to get, like, I feel like on my first album, it was like, okay, this is the song about social media. But now it's like, well, let me reference social media. But what does the experience of social media tie into? How does that tie into alcoholism? And what cartoon can I use to land that point mm -hmm. too? And then let me make the hook kind of like fun, but it also touches on the subject. You know, and kind of like make it a, a a more of a stream of consciousness than sit down, let me tell you a story kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I think I think again with twenty twenty one Magnolia, like I feel like I hit something on that. That like, that's why people are connecting with it because I would say of all the songs, that's the one I'm getting the most feedback on, and uh, it doesn't surprise me. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, when I heard that back, I was like, okay, I kind of did it on that one, like, you know. Um, but yeah. It's yeah. kind of hard to explain, but, you know. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I was, like I said, I think that was maybe the the third or fourth track that I heard after mm -hmm. kind of diving into your music, and I was already really digging what was going on, and then that track came on and, and just kind of seemed to, sp to speak uh, louder than others, you know, for mm -hmm. some reason. You know, right. and and probably just because of what what we've been talking about, just the the uh, the vulnerability of it and the honesty right. of what you were going through, right? With it, and uh, or even with with rain, you're talking about suffering and silence, mm -hmm. shit like that. You know, mm -hmm. those are yeah. like the little the little lines that that grab me. You know? It's like, oh, this dude's been through some shit. And, just had to do a lot of self work and, you know, experience. Really, I'm lazy. I could just turn up a flash of lens and you may as well call it a day B. Spirit of Aries, spirit of Mars, spirit of Hades. Got a war level. Palpatine is always at the door level trying to raise me. 
The way I be tucking the rain and arrange my reign and always be making it rain. Cocaine on your main, insane with the brain, insane with the slang. Deranged in the game, too vain to be tamed. Look at what I overcame. I mean, suffered in silence, then I was wildin'. Checked in the asylum, demolished the problem. Now they can't stop me from smiling. Now they can't stop me from shining. Two steps from a diamond. Pressure is necessary, nigga. Word in the street is I'm legendary, nigga. Savage is ordinary, nigga. That's just a Tuesday. Long Island revolutionary, these niggas should put me in Newsday. Do it every quarter, niggas, until it's a regular thing. I'm chilling at the breakfast table, drinking coffee. Headline reads, Black is the King. Chunky motherfucker, full figure, not bust a soul crusher, nigga. I was flustered in the gutter like a sucker, trying to get my soul unclustered now. Rapping at the level of a summer blockbuster, these other niggas lackluster. Saw myself go from people to hunter, I'm your instructor now. A new day has arrived, newly aligned, I survived my demise. I'm revived in my mind, I'm dime at a dime. Since I mean, it's my story, now. man. You know, my sister's an artist as well. Her name's Coax Marie. She's always telling me, like, yo, always tell your story, always tell your story. You know, and I'm like, and I'm always thinking about that. So even on a song like Rain, where I'm like, I got my cock out, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, yo, I'm the funky mother, chunky motherfucker, or whatever I say on that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, but yeah, I'm still me, you know what I mean? It's still like, I've been through what I've been through. But it's a, like, on that song, I'm coming from like, yo, this is how I became the king kind of thing. If you want to become the king, like you got to kind of do this, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not that I'm not that I'm the actual king, but like, you know, in my own life, like I'm definitely at a, a new level. Uh, even music aside, you know, just in my life, you know. Right. And this is how I got there. Yeah, and then speaking to what you were talking about, as as far as trying to keep things a little more abstract at times, I think that's been that's an, another thing that's like really attracted me over the last four or five years to lyrical content is just mm. that idea that everything doesn't necessarily need to be linear and every line right. in a verse doesn't have to be a part of the same story. It can just be like those random thoughts or the stream of consciousness that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. cause that, that's, that feels real. Like mm-hmm. that's often the human experience, the day to day, you know, not everything happens in such a fl- like a flowing of events. There's like the little bullshit that happens along right. the way. Or like having a conversation with someone for whatever reason, you, you're going to end up talking about 12 different things. It's not like mm. we sit down, unless we're having an organized meeting, we're not going to just sit down and talk about food, right? Like we'll start talking about food and then that'll lead us to our mothers and then that'll lead us to our girlfriends. And then that'll lead us to like clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, it's all in there together. And the people that have mastered that, it's no surprise that they like rise to the top. You know what I mean? Like I love referencing Jay-Z when it comes to that, because I mean, I, re- I feel like he can really, like I- I've been listening to 444 a lot for inspiration for this latest project. And like that song, Smile, it's like that song is known as the song where he like puts it out there that his mother was gay. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you listen on into the song, he's talking about himself so much. And, like, he's talking about his his experience right now, you know what I mean? Like, he has this one line where he's like, respect to to Jimmy Iovine, but he got to respect the Elohim. And it's like, I just imagine him in a meeting with Jimmy Iovine, like, not being able to work out a deal. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, nah, I don't like the way he's coming through. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's still vulnerable. It's as vulnerable as him talking about his mom. But... Cause he don't got to tell you about this situation with Jimmy mm-hmm. Iovine, you know what I'm saying? 
So it, it, it like, if you're not paying attention, it might seem like he broke the topic. But like, if you really are, like, nah, that's the song. He's revealing a lot of himself in this song. And some of it is cocky and some of it is vulnerable. Some of it's a little sad. Some of it's a little, you know, happy. Yeah. When you're writing lyrics, are you always uh, doing it with a beat in mind or are you listening to a beat or are you sometimes just just writing with uh, in silence and, and just putting thoughts down that way? That comes in waves. Like in the beginning, I was doing that a lot. Like I just had verses that I would just write because I was just trying to um, write more often. It was a new thing for me. Lately, I've only been writing when there's music around, but um, that's more because my schedule is just a little different than it was back then. I had a lot more free time, so now it's like it's all, I, I only I really only write raps when it's time to kind of thing, you know. Like if I want to drop something a freestyle for Instagram or someone sends me a beat or I'm working on a record, that's really that's really it. But um, that's fine because you know, like I I kind of do feel like my skills might take a hit not writing for the sake of writing right but at the same time it's like well putting stuff on wax that's like my legacy so you know i think i've been focused more on that now yeah although i do love to write in general you know what i mean like i'm not always writing raps you know sometimes i'll write um i wrote a short story in the beginning of the year uh, on my phone it was like you know maybe five or six paragraphs. Like I just told this little story. Yeah. No one's ever going to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I just did it. You know what I mean? Cause I just like to write. I'm always writing stuff on Facebook. If anyone follows me on Facebook, <laughs> yeah, I'm always writing some shit. <laughs> I think it's interesting to just write shit down, especially, you know, stream of consciousness stuff outside of music of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just especially if you, you think no one else is going to see it. And then mm-hmm. to revisit those things mm-hmm. years later or months yeah. later. And uh, it's always yeah. kind of a trip to see what like what that means at that point to you. It's the same thing with like the music, I would assume, like with with your songs is that they're always going to, you know, those meanings are going to evolve and change as your life does. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, there are there are some songs that I have put out that I put out a year ago that even now I don't even fully relate to them anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just like, I have a song called father, father. And I'm like, this song is like disgustingly positive. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, my mind is just in a more intense place right now. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely more like confrontational in in the world than I was when I wrote that. So I, you know, it's like it doesn't resonate, and maybe if I had that beat again, or if I made that beat again, I might, you know, the approach might be a little different, you know. So in that sense, it's kind of good that I wrote it back then, because it's like, all right, it gives you a real snapshot of reality, right? You know, but um, sometimes, you know, I journal sometimes, and I'll read my own journal, my old journals. Man, it's like I'm glad I never published this. Type oh yeah, of stuff. <laughs> it's like oh some shit. cringy shit, huh? <laughs> oh, cringe city. Cringe City. Man. Hey, it's got to start somewhere. It can't just be gold from the beginning. Of course. And it all plays, right? Because at the time I wrote that, that's exactly what I wanted to write. And that was yeah. real. And I felt good about it. But yeah, it's also a good exercise in like, I guess, uh, 
seeing how you've grown or like, cause you know, if something I, if something I wrote cringes me out now, but it resonated with me back then, mm-hmm. it's like, man, I must've really evolved <laughs> to not even, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think about that with just a lot of things, even certain music that I used to like when I was in high school or something that really doesn't connect with me at all now. And right. just thinking about those things sometimes. Lip or, biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude, Lip Biscuit's like, I can usually go back and listen to a band and understand why I like that band. Man, I don't know why I was so into Lip Biscuit. I was like into those guys. Yeah. And now I feel like I would go to see it just to witness like sure. <laughs> it sure. out of like, oh yeah like irony. i would see them play i would, <laughs> like, I would see them play live like yeah. for the reference yeah it. yeah for sure Just, you know what i'm saying <laughs> but like it doesn't it, it it wouldn't motivate me the way it was motivating me back then you know yep but that's cool man it's like you know music journeys like that also the in together now track with method man Still kind of mm. kill. At least, at least oh, Method no, Man's yeah. part is, is no, so actually, fucking yeah. good. That whole song is, is still yeah. fire. That whole song still is fire. <laughs> yeah. Even Fred's part. Who could be the boss? <laughs> like, like, all right, all right. You Hell know? yeah, dude. That's amazing. <laughs> Did you? Were you uh, doing any journaling or anything like that when you were a kid? Man, not really. But I was always like, I was always drawing and I was always writing stories. I, that's, that's something I've always done throughout my life. Just short little stories, you know, like I, I'm, I love when I get into a TV show, um, I get really immersed in the, the lore and stuff like that. And I want to know like everything about it. And, um, you know, I try to like make my own little versions of stuff. Right. So like I, I was really into Game of Thrones the last couple of years. Um, even with that trash ending, but uh, that, that's a, that's another thing. <laughs> but um, I, you know, so like the sto- the short story I wrote in the beginning of the year, uh, it wasn't medieval, but like a lot, it was a very political kind of thing mm-hmm. that I wrote, and it was like set in modern times, and like I named the characters. When I first heard Gwen Stefani's first album, I wrote like a little short story to that. It was all it was all set like Greece, you know, and it was like this little musical movie. Um, so I've always done that. Journaling is not something I really started doing until right before I went to rehab and then while I was in it. Because, you know, I was dealing with this alcoholism. So, like, I, you know, the girl I was dating at the time would suggest that to me and I would try it. And, you know, it helped somewhat. But uh, once I got into rehab, I saw the real benefit of it because there's nothing else to do in there. You know, they don't they let you watch TV for like an hour in the morning. And, but outside of that, you're isolated from everything with a bunch of strangers who, like, quite frankly, half of them are you know can't wait to use when they get out of here so right you gotta you know if you're serious about recovery you kind of get into your own world and so i saw the benefit of journaling then i probably should do it more often but you know yeah outside of music what do you find really helpful for your your journey to like stay sober and things of that nature and keep you keep you fine-tuned it's funny, music actually isn't motivating in that way at all. Because, you know, if I started drinking and getting high again all the time, I'd probably make amazing music. <laughs> so, so the, the temptation. Sword. Yeah, it's more of a temptation to use. But no, dude, the main thing has been family. Like, 100%, absolutely. The first year I got out of rehab, you know, I, I was in bands before that. And so I had a little network 
that I isolated myself from for a year. And were it not for the fact that I could call my brother all the time, you know, my sister, my parents, then I really wouldn't be able to, you know, I would go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a very, you know, back then at least, I was a very social guy. I was out. And um, it was a change of pace. So, like, absolutely family. But then, of course, you know, there's self-care routines too. Like, you know, I'm in the gym. Um, I try to do some meditating. I don't really love it, but I try to do that type of stuff. My spirituality, you know. Um, yeah. Just different adventures too, you know what I mean? I love putting myself in situations where if I was drunk, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like if I'm going on a hike, something like that. It's like, well, I wouldn't even be able to enjoy this view if yeah. I would have got wasted today. Yeah. So it kind of gives you more insight as to like, okay, there's more to do. There's more to do. There's more adventures to be had. And then after a while, you start to look at the the drinking and stuff like, hmm, that's kind of boring. You know, it's kind of boring. Now, I still have to be careful, right? I can't play with fire. But, you know, just all those things give you a whole new perspective. At least yeah. that's how it's been for me. For sure. And the the spirituality, man, that's uh, another thing that I picked up through your music is I, I appreciate your references for, for God and a higher power. It, it, uh, you know, it feels more evolved than just the, uh, the man in the sky kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think what you would call the closest thing you could call my spirituality is um, pantheism. I think where God is everything. Yeah. Right. For sure. Like, and cause you know, it's, I've concluded, and spirituality and religion is like, we could have a podcast just on that. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, my, and my experience with that. But I've really concluded that um, it's like the most subjective of all the subjective experiences, right? So like, it's all good. You know, now I'm not, now I don't really want to be told that I'm going to burn somewhere when I'm dead. But whatever brings you solace, that's cool. So like, I don't really feel like I need to actually I don't, my idea of God doesn't even have to be real mm. in the in the material sense right? in order for it to matter. And maybe spirituality is all a matter of placebo. I don't know. But it's irrelevant because it's all about if you feel connected. And once I got sober, I definitely felt reconnected. That's the thing that matters most. And that's what I try to hold on to. Yeah. It's definitely a, a flip in the script when I uh, started viewing things as like, God is an experience and like, like you're saying that, that pantheism kind of vibe of everything. And when you treat everything like it's God, you know, you just like have more respect for it. And that kind of, that whole idea of like how I brush my teeth is how I do everything or whatever, you know, right. Right. Kind of deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just being able to, yeah, but seeing seeing it as an energy and a, and like a feeling of of knowing what you're tapping into and just kind of also understanding that it's different for everybody. <laughs> right. Right. And that's what keeps it pure. You know what I mean? We all we're all communicating the same experience with different means, different language, you know. Some people call it the universe and I know exactly what they mean. Yeah. Some people say Yahweh and I know exactly what they mean. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Just different lenses. Yep. I wanted to talk to you about a track off the Utopian Hypnosis record, mm-hmm. and it's White Black Boy. Yep. And just kind of, 
can you talk just about the the sentiment behind that song and and just like your your personal experiences with uh with what you're talking about there yeah so like that was one of the first ones that i finished in rehab and i knew i was on to something with that one because i would rap it for people acapella and they were like yo i love that you know and i also but you know i was i was kind of testing it because i know that the subject matter on the song might be a little vexing to people mm-hmm. especially the way i'm putting it so <clears throat> but the day before like maybe a couple of days before i actually went into rehab i was at the train station and this girl asked me for a cigarette she was latina and i, I gave her one and I, I said something to her, and she was like, why you talk like a white boy? And um, that was one of the last things that happened to me before I went to rehab. So I was thinking about that, and it had been so long since someone had actually said that to me. But, you know, I kind of just realized, like, yo, man, I've, I've always been in this, like, token position, in a sense. Like, because, you know, you join a rock band, you're going to be around a lot of white people. It just is what it is, right? Um, but also coming up, growing up in Amityville... I was always interested in, I guess, alternative shit outside of rap and R&B. So I got called a white boy for that. If I'm hanging around white people, my blackness might be intimidating to them. You know what I'm saying? So I find myself in this weird position where there are many times where I don't feel like I belong to any group. And um, I know I'm not the only one who thinks that. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to make a song about it. Try to make it as funny as possible but you know it's not a joke but yeah. it's like you know what i mean like it's kind of light but it's also brash you know what i mean um so that's the motivation behind that song and you know there are just a lot of black kids who feel like that you know what i mean like i was rocking dc shoes when everyone else was getting jordans right you know what I mean? and it just it marginalized me in that way you know what i mean so you know the stigma of being an enigma. White black boy syndrome. He's not a nigga. He's not a prep boy either. White black boy syndrome. But my mama says that I gotta think bigger. So I need to forgive him. But if they can't figure out what the boy is all about, fuck him. Why you talk like a white boy? Why you always dating white girls? For a black guy, you're not really tough Don't you see the gang signs that we throwing up? Ain't you a nigga? Ain't you a thug? Don't you know the meaning of a good mean mug? Don't you wanna act ignorant, belligerent, and ratchet? This nigga so white, we about to blow a gasket Know what I hate? Motherfuckers telling me who to date Motherfuckers telling me how to talk Or telling me what to do with my face You see there's black people telling me I sound white And white people saying I'm intimidating why can't these motherfuckers ever get shit right? I'm a godson, no debating. I know that gangsters and hoodlums historically dominate perceptions of the black majority, but I speak with all of the articulate authority of five presidents, so you're kind of boring me. Is there there's some sort of pressure, like also to to be black enough in certain situations amongst other black people and and things like that as well? There is. Now, I don't always succumb to that pressure because, like, my general disposition is to not care. But, you know, black, black, I mean, I guess all people do this, but black people in particular, like, we take our traditions and our, the things that bond us very to heart, right? Uh, culinary, clothing, the whole culture. 
So like if I'm not necessarily a reflection of those things, black people don't really connect to me. Hmm. You know, like I don't have a problem with whatever, generally right. speaking. But a lot of black people don't connect to me. I'm not gangster enough. So it's kind of, that's, you know, the women I was attracted to when I was younger were always into like the thugs. So like, you know, I was struggled because I wasn't gangster enough. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, now that's been changing, I think, because, you know, uh, music has been changing and, and, and uh, the culture in general has been changing in America and like people are more accepting of, you know, the cross-cultural type of shit. So, you know, it's not so much of a big deal anymore, right? Like, even when it comes to being vulnerable, which is something that, you know, only Tupac was allowed to do, it seemed like, back right, in the day. Right, right. Now it's fine. You know, we got Kanye. We got Tyler, the creator. We got um, Kid Cudi. Yeah, Cudi. You know what I'm saying? Seemed to really so, like, change the game for a lot of people. For real. So people are more cool with it now. And I and and it actually has been real cool to like in recent years because I started rapping again, I'm starting to get attention from a lot of people in my immediate community, a lot of black people. They just recognize the skills, you know, and, and, and they just respect that and it's cool. And like, you know, when you make great music, I don't know, people just <laughs> they they allow you to be yourself. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah, I just thought the the white black boy <laughs> track was uh a cool look into things like whether it's playful at times or or brash you know just uh a real uh i think i think a good look into an experience that you know a lot of people don't have so right right just from a from a storytelling you know we talked about the the storytelling elements of of your creativity i feel like that that one really kind of nails that point home of oh, like, for sure. you know, your skills as a storyteller, as well as right. like tapping into some of the abstract stuff. Right. Well, that whole record is is the storytelling approach, you know, and, and it was easy for me to learn how to rap that way, telling a story because it kept me on track. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all right, I'm starting an idea. Let me finish it. And uh, New York, born and raised? Yes, sir. Amityville. How far is that from the the city? So you talk about um, Long Island a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on Long Island, man. I'm where I'm at. Probably like 45 minutes. Okay. From the city, you know, maybe 45 minutes from Queens, maybe like an hour from Manhattan, something like that. I don't know, a little bit more. But um, yeah, and, and you know, I'm in Amityville. I'm right on the cusp of Suffolk and Nassau, right? So like, it's literally. I guess the best of both worlds, you know, like two feet, you know, two feet this way. I'm in Massapequa, mm -hmm. two feet this way. I'm in Copaig, Farmingdale, Lindhurst, you know? Um, but yeah, that, that's what my stomping grounds. And New York being like such a Mecca from, for hip hop and rap. Could you f kind of feel that, that energy as a, as a young person growing up around that? Or, you know, even when you started to step in to the, yeah. the rap genre more. Yeah. Growing up in New York, we all feel like we own hip-hop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we all feel like, you know, there is a um, a classic a classic thing that we appreciate. And, you know, New York's, New York's one of those places that, like, they'll really accept you when you can reflect parts of them. 
Like in the mm. South, they're way more open-minded. They're like, yeah, whatever you do, man. You know, even in the West, I'm not really sure how it is in the West Coast, but in New York, it's like, well, if you got a New York vibe about you, if you can spit, if you can do this, if you gangster, if you whatever, then yeah. we fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if you swaggy, we fuck with you, you know? But um, yeah, of course, man. I mean, being from New York, that's like, you know, I mean, it's not what it was in like the 90s, but still, I mean, like, you know, I remember when I first heard Joey Badass, I was like, Ooh, oh, shit, this yeah. is that. This is that yeah. feeling right here. Like, you know, can't explain it. Even Mac Miller's early stuff was very New York. I'm not even, I don't think he's from New York, but the vibe of it was so New York. It's very like, you know, uh, De La Soul kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, now being from here, I got to wave that flag. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Got to do it. Hell yeah, man. I enjoy your music quite a bit, Alex. It's uh you, yeah, it's it's just got a, a that undeniable feel to it and especially the the trust me it's fire EP. I just think mm-hmm. that particular collection of tunes seems to have a flow to uh from each track that uh is very fucking cool. So I would encourage people to uh to go and check it out and I'll put all the links in the uh episode notes so people can keep up with you and find you on all the streaming services and whatnot sweet yeah thank you bro thank you to anyone else out there who's here's this that's been listening i mean you know be getting a lot of love lately and it's 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 exactly what like an up-and-coming artist needs you know what i mean because you know we're 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 dealing with a lot and we don't really know sometimes if what we're doing is going to connect and when it does feels good so i appreciate you guys absolutely man and i appreciate you uh giving me some of your time and and opening up on the mics and and talking to me about what you've been through and getting a little more uh scope for for what's you know packed into this music and this lyrical content and knowing where it comes from is always uh, a cool experience for me to to get to connect those dots so i appreciate you man anytime bro appreciate you having me cool we're gonna um play it out with stay shining which is the Word. the last track off of Trust Me It's Fire and we end every episode of the podcast with the guests saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we could get the black alex it's a program we can properly end this thing hey yo it's a program he nailed it everybody <laughs> that's black alex he's out there in new york keep up with what he's doing check out that new record that's coming at you and he's got plenty of music to keep you busy until then and that is the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland new york wherever you're listening from Cruising down Sunrise Highway, dream of doing it my way. Floating on the vision, it doesn't matter what I weigh. I can't stand traffic, I prefer the byway. Artiste at night, a hustler by day. Feasting on the horns, got me levitated. Cloud nine Skyway, lighting up another banger, courtesy of Yahweh. A young man dares to try to be a millionaire, but he studies Jay-Z to learn the flyway. Cause it's in a black man's soul to want to rock that gold. But it's also in a black man's soul to be bold. And that's what I was told when I was young years old. Keep 
keep breaking the mold to go inspire the soul. So I put the pen to sheets to keep provoking the trolls. Proofread by the homies to guarantee that it's cold. And it might be because I'm dental that I lack the common sense. But you can bet I'm on this road till I'm old years old. Shit. Stay free. Be what you want to be. And let the world be offended to the third degree. Stay shining. Stay shining. Stay shining. Stay shining. Stay shining. Stay shining. Uh, golly gee. Stinging like a bee. Please avoid the follow with disease, nigga. Please stay shining. Stay shining. Stay shining. Stay shining. Stay shining. Triple beaming, willy beaming. Any given son who will believe it will one day defeat the demon. Smack the shit out of the devil, he's alive. The only thing that keeps him breathing is your alibis. Do or die. I can't understand why when people don't try. Understand that God's plan is only action applied. A landslide if we decide how to slice up the pie. Just be kind. Just be nice. 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 Next, baby, on the left, baby. I got my conscience telling me I'm fresh to death, baby. I like my neck shaded, a summer deck, baby. Pretty baby on the island, big breast, baby. Glory is my next lady, may you stay blessed, baby. Wish you the best, baby, but I got next, baby. And I'll be wildin' with the grind and always riding with the time. And I'll be sliding to the next project, baby. Woo! To keep it real, I'll be feeling like steel. And it feels like a miracle still. Black Alex is ill. Concentrated juice chilling in the freezer. So chill that you might need a drill. It's a matter of will. Say you will like Jada and Will Keep it honest with your promises And say how you feel This Adonis' alliances are getting surreal And I ain't spinning on no wheel I got issues that need a pill uh, Stay free, be what you wanna be And let the world be offended to the third degree Stay shining, stay shining Stay shining, stay shining uh, Golly gee, stinging like a bee Please avoid the follow of disease Nigga please, stay shining Stay shining, stay shining Stay shining, stay shining, stay shining, yeah. Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with DistroKid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up. Stay tuned.